You're listening to the Broncos Audio Zone. Hello and thank you for joining us for this week's Neutral Zone. I'm Phil Milani alongside Eric Dalala. We have a great show in store for you today. We'll be joined by Broncos first-round pick Bradley Chubb. He'll talk about getting his first full sack as he brought down Joe Flacco early in the game. We'll also be joined by Brooke Pryor of the Kansas City Star. She'll talk about this red-hot Kansas City team that's coming to the Mile High City on Monday night. We'll also get into a few other things as well as our Limerick Challenge and Who Said It Games. We have a couple of good callers on the line today. So, Eric, uh, let's get into this Ravens game, uh, break down a little bit about what we saw. Starting with, I want to talk about some of these penalties. Yeah, Phil, and this is our first episode of the Neutral Zone coming off a loss, so a little bit of a somber mood here today. But I think if I'm looking back at those penalties, and you know there were quite a few where the Broncos had scoring opportunities, you had a block in the back on a blocked field goal, you had several holding calls, one brought back a 40-yard Demarius Thomas catch. So you can, you can look at those and say, hey, the Broncos would have been in this game, and that's the way I choose to look at this. I say they moved the ball quite a bit, moved it well, were within the Ravens' 20-yard line at least four times, and while they didn't come away with points, unfortunately, on many of those occasions, I think there's room for optimism there that if you can cut down on some of those penalties that were really costly, no one's denying that, but if you can cut down on those, you could be in good shape. I agree with what Chris Harris Jr. has had to say at the end of the game. Sometimes when you're on the road facing a good team, a couple of plays here or there really can make the biggest difference. And if you block a kick and return that for a touchdown, you head into the locker room with a lot of momentum. You're up at halftime. That was a game-changing play. And I think that one thing that players are going to have to realize this year is that, look, the NFL is calling some of these games a little bit differently this year. I don't think that that Domata Peko would have been called as a block in the back maybe a few years ago. But this year, it's being called. You can't do it. It literally had nothing to do with the play. He That guy wasn't going to chase down Chris Harris Jr. and make the tackle. So don't touch him. And, uh, you know, I think that that could have changed the entire outcome just by itself on a huge play like that. But like you said, there was penalties everywhere else. You know, uh, Case Keenum said that he's got to go back and look at his fundamentals, make sure that he's dropping back right, make sure that his timing is on, you know, in sync with some of these wide receivers because a couple of those penalties maybe held on to the ball just a little bit too long, asking your, you know, asking a guy like Garrett Bowles to do a little bit too much, especially when he's facing Terrell Suggs. Right, yeah, and I think that one thing is that a lot of people have been talking about, hey, this block in the back penalty. You talked about Philip Lindsay getting ejected for throwing a punch. Those are calls that you can argue they were the right call, they were the wrong call, whatever you want. But the bottom line is Domata Pecco didn't need to be near that guy. Philip Lindsay didn't need to jump into the pile. And so can these Broncos players kind of be smart, realize that this is bigger than one moment, bigger than getting one more shove in? Because this team, I think, has shown that it's good enough to come back from deficits, good enough to control uh, the ball and play well at home. And they have a chance here to make a push for the playoffs if they can continue to play in this fashion. And so you can't let those little things get in the way. Um, do you think we're going to see that turn around this week against Kansas City, at least in terms of them playing smart? Well, I think I hope so. I mean, uh, I think you hear Vance Joseph talk about composure and making sure that you you know 
you stay smart in the game. Of course, that's not how fans look at the game. They see some of these calls that they say, ah, they're throwing the remote at the at the TV. I, I know that that's how I am as a fan. Uh, it was and, dangerous in the press box sitting near you. <laughs> it was. Uh, you know, uh, especially when you go back and look at it, some of those things just make you feel sick, you know, after you after you watch the game. But uh, I agree with Vance. You got to be smarter. You got to play smarter. And that's what it's going to take to beat this Kansas City team that's coming in. Uh, one of the best teams in the league so far through three weeks. And, you know, we've talked about this a lot where one or two plays here and that's a different outcome. We talked about that after the two wins. We talked about that after the, the loss here. But I feel like that's how every NFL game is every single week. It comes down to a couple of plays, and if you make them, you win the game. If you don't, you lose the game. Because, you know, you, you from the Baltimore perspective, they could easily be saying, well, if we don't get these things blocked, uh, you know, that's an easier game for us to win. It doesn't come down to a, you know, fourth down play at the very end. So, uh, you know, I think the Broncos will have to be smart and execute when it, when it counts the most. Yeah, absolutely. And I think the important thing is that, all offseason, we've talked about the hope that Case Keenum can kind of bring to this team. And even for as poorly as that unit might have played at times on Sunday against the Ravens, they still drove the ball three times in the fourth quarter, could have scored touchdowns. The game, as Vance Joseph said in his press conference on Monday, wasn't really over until Case throws that pick there. Um, and then, you know, they get the ball back one more time. There's a fourth down stop. Crazier things have happened. So I was still impressed with how they responded there. Something else to watch for. You talk about the players being smart. Uh, Vance Joseph also talked about his need to improve. That that, uh, that little kind of segment there toward the end of the first half where Broncos called timeout, had a chance to get the ball back and uh, score some points, and instead they gave it back to the Ravens. The Ravens then drove and got a field goal. That took it from being 17-14 at halftime to 20-14 to at halftime. And then it's a completely different game. I know it doesn't – it's only three points, but the feel of the game changed within four or five minutes when that field goal – didn't count for a touchdown, and then you had kind of that segment where the Ravens ended up with points instead of the Broncos. Yeah, and then you saw also in that little stretch there, Cortland Sutton drop a would have been an easy first down for the Broncos, extend the drive a little bit there. Little things like that just add up over the course of the game, and it was a little bit too much to try and overcome. You talk about the penalties, you talk about an ejection, you talk about an interception, you talk about a couple of drops here or there. When you all, when you add it all together, just a little bit too much to overcome. Yeah, and I think it is important to remember that the Broncos lost on Sunday and they dropped a two and one, and the Chiefs are at three and zero. Oh, so you re you really want to win this week to stay competitive in the AFC West, and hopefully they do that. If they aren't able to do that, the season isn't over. I mean, it's really hard, and especially, Phil, because we're here every day, to, to see this happen and be like, well, what, what are the possibilities now? But 16 teams lost on Sunday or Monday or Thursday, you know? Like, the Patriots lost again, fell to 1-2. and two. I would assume they're going to turn things around and probably be okay. The Steelers started 0-1-1 and, and then had a big win uh, on Monday night against the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Teams lose games. There's only, a, I think, four undefeated teams left. Actually, three now that uh, the Buccaneers lost. So teams are going to lose games. It's how, it's how you respond. And so that's what I'm really interested, whether the Broncos win or lose on Monday night against what could be one of the best teams in the NFL. It's how do you play? Are those penalties gone? Do you make some of those plays and keep the game close and give yourself a chance to win at the end? Well, 
I agree with you there, uh, definitely. I think it's a lot about perspective because you look at that Patriots team and you're like, of course Tom Brady and Bill Belichick are going to get that turnaround. You look at the Steelers, they you know get off to a little bit of a rough start, but you know, hey, Big Ben is going to get that thing turned around. For Broncos fans, they're very eager to see this team distance itself from last season. And that's where I agree with you is that it's all about how you respond because last season, this Broncos team struggled to respond after losses. We saw them lose eight games in a row, a streak where that that kind of thing can't happen. So I think that you lose one game and there's some stories in the newspaper, hey, this team looks like 2017 all of a sudden again, and the Broncos so eagerly are trying to remove themselves from what happened last season that, hey, we're not like last season, and I don't think that they played like that at all against Baltimore. And I think that you got to be like, hey, it's all about how you respond. Even if they lose to this Chiefs team, you could just say, hey, look, that was a tough game. That's one of the hottest teams coming in. And we'll get to more of this uh, Chiefs game a little bit at, uh, toward the end of the podcast. But, you know, it's okay. You can lose a couple of games. But what's important is, hey, let's just stay even mind, you know, even headed here and just keep pushing forward. Right. And I think the important thing is that I think Vance Joseph, I think the coaches, I think the players, the executives – they all believe that this is different. And so fans might still need a little convincing. The media might still need a little convincing. But they seem convinced. And so that's why I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to give them a few weeks. Let's wait until week 8, week 10, until you have a bigger sample size. I know the NFL is a week-to-week league, and we've got all week to talk about what happens Sunday and what could happen Monday night. But really, until you've played 6, 7, 8, 9 games, it's really hard to tell what a team's like. And so even if they lose this week, I'm not going to be like, oh, this team's done. They've yeah. got got plenty of times, plenty of opportunities to win games in order to in order to get to the playoffs. Is it going to be harder to win the AFC West if you don't beat the Chiefs on Monday night? Sure, it's going to be harder because then they've got a two-and-a-half game lead over you. But it doesn't make it impossible, and it certainly doesn't make it impossible that you can get to the playoffs. Most definitely. No need to panic at all. And I think one thing that's important to keep in mind is that great teams adapt as they go through the season. And like whatever this Broncos team is like right now, That'll be nothing like that. Te- this team will be in December. You got to change. You know, uh, you you come into the season with this kind of game plan. Well, team defenses, other teams figure it out. You adapt. You keep changing, and the best teams can really make adjustments and go through the flow uh, with the season. And that's what's crucial, especially if you want to try and make a playoff run. Um, as the Broncos definitely are hoping to this season. Yeah, and we'll talk about it a little bit more. But I think just one example of something that could change is. Chris Harris mentions that the Broncos need to disguise coverage just a little bit better, and it sounds like Vance Joseph agrees. If they do that and they confuse Mahomes on Monday night and Mahomes throws a couple picks and the Broncos get a win, all of a sudden we're sitting here next week and we're like, hey, I'd much rather lose to the Ravens and beat the Chiefs than the other way around. So things can change in an instant. No need to hit the panic button yet, as you said. Yeah, of course. You can turn things around. It's a week-by-week league, and – you know, today we're like, oh, the world's ending because, you know, the Broncos lose to the Ravens. But last week we were like, hey, they're looking good. You get a win. So, well, let's now get to my conversation with Bradley Chubb. He joins us, talks a little bit about what he's learned through three weeks of the regular season, what life is like for a rookie in the NFL. But we start with his first full sack coming this last Sunday against Joe Flacco. <laughs> Bradley, you had your first full sack against Joe Flacco this week. Uh, how did it feel to finally get that off the board? Uh, it felt good to get it finally off the board. I mean, just getting back there uh, for my first time on my, you know, what I'm saying my, by myself. So it was cool. And then uh, 
just the, the great group of guys I got around me just helping me get back there, and I know we're going to get back there a lot more this season. I, I know that after the first game you felt like maybe you weren't yourself, you weren't as aggressive as, aggressive as you wanted to be. You feel like you're getting to that spot now? Yeah, I feel like uh, the first game was a little shaky, and then uh, second game I started finding myself a little bit more, and this past game I feel like was – one, I developed a lot more in, so I'm just trying to keep progressing each week and make more plays and to help this team win. Is the NFL what you thought it'd be? Yeah, it's, it's, it's what I thought I'd be. Uh, I knew I'd be playing the, the great competition every week, and so uh, just got to go out there and with the right mindset and just keep working. What's something you've learned through three weeks? Uh, something I've learned that you can't take no play off. I mean, every play counts, and uh, you never know. You know, you saw it last week when Shaq blocked the kick. You never know which play is going to be the one that changes the game. So um, I feel like that's just one one thing I learned is can't take the playoff in a league full of great players. What's it been like playing with Vaughn? I know that you know through the draft process you talked a lot about Vaughn. What's it been like playing on the other side with him? Uh, it's been huge uh, just having a guy of that caliber on the other side and I have him on the other side and knowing he's glad I could be a part of You got a big one against the Chiefs coming up, Patrick Mahomes. Well, what do you think it's going to be like going against him? I think it's going to be a good game. I mean, it's a divisional game. A lot of people are going to um, be coming out to this one. There's going to be a lot on it. So um, I know both sides of the ball are going to play hard, and we're just looking forward to it. Monday night football. There ain't no Monday night football, exactly. So it's prime time. So it's going to be a great game. The first time on Monday night football, you think it's going to be different? No, I feel, I feel like Sunday, Thursday, all that is going to be the same Monday. So just got to go out there and keep playing. All right. Thanks, Bradley. Appreciate your time. No doubt. Thanks to Bradley Chubb for coming on the neutral zone here. Uh, a lot of interesting uh, thoughts from him there, including what he's learned in the NFL through three weeks. Said can never take a playoff, and uh, Bradley Chubb getting his first full sack coming against the Ravens, bringing down Joe Flacco all by himself. But uh, now, Eric, it's time for uh, our first game, a Limerick Challenge, if you will. Yeah, Phil, uh, going to play another Limerick Challenge. Got some Chiefs-themed questions. Got a uh, Baltimore Ravens-themed question. So... We'll have a fan join us as always. Who do we have on the line this week? Uh, this is Tanner Lee from Rochester, Indiana. Tanner Lee, we saw you down at the Senior Bowl. Oh, yeah. i uh, living in Big Ten country out here in the Midwest. I hear that quite a bit. How'd, uh, how'd you become a Broncos fan uh, living in Indiana? Uh, yeah, I get that a lot, too, and I uh, always make sure I tell people it was, it was pre-Peyton Manning before Peyton got there. Um, I'm actually a lifetime uh, Purdue Boilermaker fan and Purdue graduate, and I actually uh, followed Kyle Orton out to Denver when he became a Bronco and started watching the team and fell in love with them. So, uh, Wow. Well, we thank you for choosing us over the Saints. Obviously, a pretty big boilermaker down there as well, playing quarterback. Yeah. Well, Tanner, we're going to have you play our uh, Limerick Challenge here. We're going to give you three Limericks related to either last week's game or this week's game. If you can fill in the missing last word, uh, you're going to be a winner here. All right, great. Let's do it. All right, let's see how this goes. The first one they blocked led directly to six. The second one ensured that they'd stay in the mix. It's quite a good skill to do that at will. Since the start of last year, that's now six different... Um, six, six. I'm, I, I'm clueless on this one. Uh, it's uh, six different kicks. So uh, the, kicks. the Broncos okay. have uh, broken through that line of scrimmage, now led by, yeah. now led by Tom McMahon. Uh, they've done a pretty good job of that. Scored a touchdown off one of them, could have had another touchdown had it not been b brought back by a block in the back. That's all right. We'll see uh, if we can move on to this next one um, and uh, get a come-from-behind victory like the Broncos did in weeks one and two. All right. The best way to do this is just to be blunt. 
With their weapons on offense, the Chiefs might not punt. They've got Mahomes, Kelsey Hill, who all fit the bill. And don't you forget about their RB named... Kareem Hunt. There you go, exactly. Kareem Hunt uh, scored a couple touchdowns last week, and uh, that just makes them all the more dangerous. They've got Patrick Mahomes with 13 touchdowns, Tyreek Hill, Travis Kelsey. How do you guard them all? That's what the Broncos are going to try to figure out this week. Uh, Came back there, Tanner, got... One out of two so far. Let's see if you can get this last one and become a winner. All right. When the Broncos beat the Chiefs, it's always a good day. If we did it this week, we'd all say, oh boy, yay. Maybe Atwater could help. Man, that'd make him yelp. Did you see what he did to... How about the Nigerian nightmare Christian Okoye? There you go, Okoye. Yeah, everybody uh, remembers that big hit, perhaps the biggest moment of Steve Atwater's career. A ring of famer here in Denver, hopefully a Hall of Famer soon. But, man, that's got to be toward the the top of any uh, Broncos fan's list of Chiefs memories. Congratulations, Tanner. Coming from behind there, you're a winner here on the Neutral Zone. All right. Thanks a lot. Appreciate it. And now we're going to go into part one of my conversation with Brooke Pryor of the Kansas City Star. Talk a little bit about that guy, Patrick Mahomes, and let's see if she knows how to slow him down because nobody else has been able to figure it out so far. We're back here on the neutral zone, and our guest this week to preview the opposing team is Brooke Pryor. She's the Chiefs reporter for the Kansas City Star. And Brooke, you're going to tell us how to stop Patrick Mahomes, right? Oh, yeah, I have all the secrets for that. I've just been saving them for the right team. This week, I'll give you guys the answers. It sounds good to us. Uh, Patrick Mahomes, 13 touchdown passes, the most in NFL history through three weeks, breaking records uh, over the last couple weeks set by Peyton Manning, who Broncos fans obviously know well. Uh, Brooke, what has Mahomes been doing so well? Are you surprised that he's kind of started this fast, given it's his first true season? And if there are any weaknesses, what are they? You know, I, I'm not surprised that he's started this fast. Um, the 13 touchdowns, you know, looking at, at the weapons that he has and the way that he works with an Andy Reid scheme, you know, it, it makes sense that he would kind of have some success this fast. I think that the thing that's most surprising to me is that he's done it with relatively few mistakes. I mean, he hasn't thrown an interception through three weeks, and I think by this point I thought he would have at least one or two, um, and that's not been the case. Um, I, I think that he works well in Reed's offense because Reed is okay with, with testing kind of the, the lengths of, of the field, um, whereas with Alex Smith there were a lot of short passes, a lot of checkdowns. You know, they're letting Patrick Mahomes let the ball fly. Uh, and you saw that early on, definitely during the preseason. He's done it a little bit in the regular season, uh, but I think that, that Andy Reid's really having fun with having a quarterback that is so young and has so many different talents, um, and they've really surrounded him with this incredible cast of, of supporting characters in you know the Sammy Watkins, the Tyree Kill, the Travis Kelsey, Kareem Hunt, Chris Conley. I mean, the list goes on and on and on, and that's what makes this offense so tough to defend is that you know, one week Tyree Kill's the guy that, that they're going to a lot. The next week it's Travis Kelsey and Sammy Watkins. The last week they uh, went to Kareem Hunt in the in the red zone a couple times to get the first two rushing touchdowns of the season. Um, and so I think Mahomes is kind of the guy, obviously, that's making that all go. Um, and one of the other most impressive things about his his performance in the last three weeks is the way that he recovers after he's made a mistake. Um, there were a couple plays where I think it was the Anthony Sherman touchdown uh, that he threw against, I believe it was the Steelers, 
that was he didn't make the right call on that. I think the ball was supposed to go to Travis Kelsey, and it ends up going to Anthony Sherman and scores a touchdown. So even when he's making mistakes, you know, touchdowns are coming from that. Um, so I think he's he's shown a maturity and an ability to recover when he is messing up uh, to bounce back and score. And that's you know I guess part of why this offense has done so well through the first three weeks. The last few meetings, uh, the Broncos have certainly seen. They saw Travis Kelsey get a lot of touches um, the last couple games in Kansas City. Tyreek Hill went off against him on a, a primetime game in Denver a couple years ago. H- have you seen those guys elevate their games with Mahomes uh, under center? Definitely. I think Tyreek Hill has been the biggest beneficiary of having Mahomes under center. Uh, you know, he's been known as, as a special teams guy for a long time, you know, really dangerous punt returner. Obviously, he still has that with the 91-yard punt return week one against the Chargers, but he told us last week, I believe, that he's really focused on running routes better. He spent a lot of time this summer working on that because he wants to become a complete receiver. And you've seen that throughout the three weeks. He's playing multiple receiver positions. They're getting him open all over the field. Uh, He had a couple of just slant patterns that then turned into big gains. I think one turned into a 58-yard touchdown. Uh, he's also, you know, they're stretching the field with him. They, Mahomes tried for, I think it was a 99 yard touchdown throw, um, against the Steelers. Ended up being a state, they didn't connect on that play. And then there was a safety of play later, which obviously isn't what you want. But Tyreek Hill is really just benefiting from all the different ways that Mahomes can get him the ball. And they like to joke, you know, that Mahomes can't overthrow Tyreek Hill. I think it's happened once. He underthrows him more often than he overthrows him. But when they can connect, I mean, there's no way to defend that throw and, and to defend that pass. And then I've seen, uh, I think it might have been the week one game uh, that the Chiefs played in the red zone. It seems like Andy Reid in particular there has drawn up all sorts of uh, plays that are really difficult to defend. What have you seen him do to put the stress on defenses? Oh, yeah, the shovel pass plays week one, I th- I'm pretty sure that's what you're, you're referencing. Those have been really successful. They didn't do any of those last week, but um, – the both times, I think the first time I went to D'Anthony Thomas, looks like he's going to hand off to Kareem Hunt and then just kind of flicks it to Thomas who runs the opposite direction. Uh, and um, the Chargers had no idea what was coming. And then they do it a couple quarters later, this time with Tyreek, or I think it was Tyreek Hill that ran it in then. Um, and the coordination and the timing that has to come together for those plays to work, I mean, they, he easily could have handed it off and, and maybe had a similar success rate, but the misdirection, I think the second one, he actually threw it through Kareem Hunt's arms to get it to Tyreek Hill. And it's something that, that they work on all the time. Uh, the quarterbacks call it putting a little Hollywood on it to really act and really sell the the fake there. Um, and, and it's worked really well. And you can just see Andy Reid, again, is having so much fun with this offense and all the different, you know, possibilities and combinations that, that he can come up with to get them to score. And, yeah, they have been really successful in the red zone. They haven't kicked many field goals. Last week they scored touchdowns, I believe, the first five possessions in the first half and then ended up having to kick a field goal later on. But they've just been really, really efficient. That was part one of my conversation with Brooke Pryor of the Kansas City Star Dive in a little bit into Patrick Mahomes' crazy hot start to the season. We'll get back to that conversation in just a minute. But first, Phil, let's uh, take a break to play a game. Thanks, Eric. Yeah, it's time to play Who Said It? And we have uh, another caller on the line. Uh, who's joining us now? Sean Campos. Sean, thank you. And welcome to the Neutral Zone. Uh, where are you calling from? 
calling in from Huntsville, Alabama. Awesome. Uh, how'd you become a Broncos fan uh, down there in Huntsville? Man, Phil, I've been a Broncos fan my entire life. Got a lot of family from Colorado, and my whole family is from Colorado. So, so I grew up a Broncos fan. Nice. Uh, we were down in your neck of the woods uh, in January for the Senior Bowl. Yeah, I heard I heard a lot about that. I was hoping I might make get, make a trip down to, to Mobile to hopefully run into everybody, but it didn't work out this time. Yeah, that's uh, hopefully uh, the Broncos aren't back down there anytime soon, if you know what I mean. Uh, I, I completely agree. I, I'd, I'd rather be picking at 32 than 5. Exactly, exactly. Well, uh, thank you for joining us here on the Neutral Zone. We'll get started with the who said it. I'll read you a quote from the past couple of days, and then you tell me who said it. If you get two out of three right, we'll send you a little Broncos prize package. All right, sounds good. That's awesome. Okay, let's get started here with our first quote. Quote, We've got to disguise better as a team. Try to confuse them. Try not to give them easy looks. So we got to move around, trying to do whatever we can to disguise them. Oh, uh, that'd be Chris Harris. Yeah, that was Chris Harris uh, after the Ravens' loss, uh, saying that he's hoping the defense might uh, come up with some new looks, try to disguise maybe some blitzes, or at least try to confuse a quarterback a little bit. And we heard from uh, head coach Vance Joseph on Monday, said he didn't have a problem with those comments, said that uh, he knows that Chris is coming from a place where he wants to win games. So he didn't have any problem with those comments. So, all right, you uh, got the first one right here. Let's uh, see if we can make it two for two. Let's, let's go for it. Okay, here we go. Quote, they have a great defense, but we can't fall behind like we did on the road. They capitalized on their chances, and we didn't. That was the difference. I'm going to shoot for Case Keenum. Yeah, that's right. That one was a little more ambiguous, but, uh, yeah, that was Case Keenum after the game. Of course, uh, Broncos got off to a hot start, but then fell behind, and they were down heading into the fourth quarter looking for another comeback, but it didn't quite happen this time through the interception in the red zone. So, uh uh, did not happen, but yeah, that was Case Keenum. You're already a winner here on the neutral zone, but uh, let's see if we can go for uh, three out of three. Let's, let's go for the sweep. All right. Here's the last one. I couldn't see if he threw a punch or not, but I saw him dive into the pile, which is illegal, so we can't do it. Oh, let's see. Was that was that Vance Joseph? Yes, that was uh, head coach Vance Joseph uh, on Monday. He, uh, after reviewing the tape, talking about uh, what led to Philip Lindsay's ejection from that game. Of course, the Broncos could have used the rookie running back in the second half, especially when they were trying to come back, but he was ejected after a Case Keenum fumble. So uh, you're three out of three, a winner here on the neutral zone. Sweet. That's awesome. Thank you very much, Sean, and uh, we'll be sending you out a prize package. Thanks, guys. I appreciate it. And now, Phil, let's go to part two of my conversation with Brooke Pryor of the Kansas City Star. Get a little more into the Kansas City Chiefs defense and look ahead to this week's matchup. Where's Eric Berry stand uh, from what you know? And does that have anything to do with kind of the rumors that the Chiefs might make a play for Earl Thomas? Man, you know, I think we would all love to know what's going on with Eric Berry. He uh, hasn't practiced since August 11th. And as we've been told for the last three weeks, that he's literally day to day. But I don't know how much more you can improve without, you know, actually playing. Uh, we'll find out Thursday if he's going to practice this week. But, you know, I have to wonder, even if he practices this week, how likely it would be that he would play in a game, given just, you know, he's, he's been working off to the side. They say he's been, you know, doing some work by himself. But how ready can you really be for a game after missing this much time? Um, and so I think that the Earl Thomas, Brewers 
are a, a part of, of Eric Berry's uncertainty. I think that they would ideally like to have Earl Thomas and Eric Berry on the field at the same time, put Eric Berry in the box, let Earl Thomas go up high, and that tandem would be really, really potent. Um, Eric Reed, who's been playing in place of uh, Eric Berry, has really struggled. You know, he just looks lost sometimes, can't make a tackle. That's the thing that a lot of the defense struggles with is actually wrapping guys up and making tackles and bringing them down. Uh, they've also had Ron Parker in there. I think Earl Thomas would probably end up taking Ron Parker's spot. Although Ron Parker had an interception week one, he's played pretty well um, after, you know, he's with the team last year, was in Atlanta the offseason, cut there, then picked up by the Chiefs right before the regular season. Um, and without him, I think that, that that secondary would be in a lot of trouble. Um, but, yeah, I mean, Eric Berry's kind of the mystery of this team. You just you don't know what's going on with him. You, know, you see him around practice around the facility listed as a sore heel but we haven't seen him limping we we don't really know what's going on so that's definitely i mean the thing that we're watching i'm sure it's the thing that, that everybody's watching at this point yeah and I, I would guess that him coming back would would help the defense a little bit kind of cut down on the points allowed i think they're 29th right now what what else is going on with that defense that hasn't allowed them to be as effective as they would want um i think i read somewhere that justin houston has had a couple game-changing plays that have been called back due to penalties? Yeah, I mean, Justin Houston is, uh, he's, the first two weeks, he looked kind of tired, didn't look great. Um, I think there was one, it was against the Steelers, when I believe it was him who forced the fumble, and then Chris Jones recovered it in the end zone for what would have been a touchdown, but there was a holding call on Orlando Scandrick, nowhere near the play that negated that, so that's got to be frustrating. Um, But last week, against uh, against the 49ers, he had two sacks and looked really good. And that's the kind of pressure that they want to get out of him, the kind of play they want to get out of him. Uh, but the current issue is that D. Ford now, who had been playing really well through the first three weeks, he had the first sack of the season, looked really healthy. He said he felt rusty, but you could see that he was starting to shake that off. He's now uh, went out of the game against the 49ers with a groin injury, uh, came out the play right before Garoppolo tore his ACL, when he came off, he was kind of, you know, holding that area like something had been pulled. Um, he had an MRI yesterday. We haven't heard kind of the status of that. But if he's out, then that opens the door for either Tano Passano or Breland Speaks to get more playing time. And uh, Breland Speaks, their, their top draft pick this year, has been playing more than Passano, but he hasn't really been effective. He's fallen down a lot, um, hasn't gotten great pressure. So I think that that would definitely be an area to watch. Uh, it seems like for whatever reason that inside linebacker position is just kind of, or that outside linebacker position is just kind of snake bitten right now that they can't get both guys out there at the same time, um, and that that could be a real problem area for them going forward. As we look at this game as a whole, before we uh, kind of turn to Monday night, I just wonder if looking at their schedule is this kind of the toughest. I know it's kind of strange to say going into Week Four, but playing in Denver on Monday night and then playing Jacksonville at home and then going to New England. Is this the toughest stretch they have left on their schedule this year? Yeah, I mean, I, I think that's pretty accurate. Um, I'm really surprised that they've gotten out of the first three weeks, 3-0. and I thought it would be maybe 1-2, and maybe 2-1, and but I didn't think that they would be undefeated. Um, I think that they've got really good momentum going into to Denver and Jacksonville and, and the Patriots. Um, I think Jacksonville... The, the Chiefs are lucky that that game is at home. They've had way more success at Arrowhead. Uh, but that defense is, I think, going to be one of the first big tests for Mahomes. 
Um, he got hit a couple times against the 49ers, bounced back relatively fine, but um, he he hasn't played a defense like the one that the Jaguars have. Um, and then Monday Night Football, you know, it's funny, we joke that Mahomes, by the time the Monday Night game starts, he will have started more games at Mile High than he has at Arrowhead because of last year. Um and so I, I think that that's going to be another experience for him that, that he hasn't had yet. There's a lot of firsts this year, and, and yeah, this is going to be the first really tough stretch to get through. Um, so we'll we'll see where they stand after they kind of get through this gauntlet of, of three games. The Chiefs uh, have won five straight against Denver. Uh, I don't think the Broncos have picked up a win since that Week Two game in Kansas City in 2015 when Bradley Roby returned that fumble uh, for the game-winning score. What do you think are the keys to this week? Um, is this just going to be a shootout? I think if it follows the pattern of the Chiefs' last three games, it's definitely going to be a shootout. Um, this defense, while it's gotten better, is nowhere near perfect. They've got a long way to go to get there. Um, and I think that the only way that the Chiefs are going to win is if they you know, just put up a ton of points, get off to another fast start. Um, and I think that... You know, this is, this is going to be another test, like I said, but with the defensive struggles that Denver's having right now and the defensive struggles that the Chiefs are having, I mean, I think with the over-under set at 55, I would definitely take the over. <laughs> um, Mahomes, it will be interesting to see how kind of juiced and jacked up he is because you could see that that played into some of his overthrows and, and error passes at the beginning of the game, and so I think he's going to have to keep that under control because uh, maybe where the 49ers couldn't capitalize on that, I think the Broncos may be more capable to to kind of you know force him into some mistakes. Maybe you know have him throw his first interception um, of the season. But at the end of the day, I have the Chiefs winning um, in a high scoring game. You know maybe they break 40 again. Uh, but I think I think it'll be a close one if it follows the pattern of the last couple games where the Chiefs get off to a really fast start and then kind of falter in the third quarter and then come back at the end and kind of run out the clock so I don't know maybe 40 to 35 somewhere in that region is, is what I've got that would that would be uh, a lot of a lot of points that'd be pretty exciting not great for deadlines but exciting for everyone else that's true yeah and the Broncos have uh kind of made things interesting in the fourth quarter here the last the first three weeks of the season really uh coming back against the Seattle Seahawks overcoming a 12-point deficit against the Raiders and they didn't score in the fourth quarter uh this past week but moved the ball inside the 15-yard line three times uh so should be interesting to see if they can maybe get some of that magic again find a way to knock the Chiefs off for the first time uh Brooke appreciate your time absolutely thanks for having me on Phil, that was part two of my conversation with Brooke Pryor of the Kansas City Star. She offered her prediction there. She said a 40-35 to 35 victory for the Chiefs. That might be a little tough for me to handle up in the press box. you got to stay neutral up there. No cheering. Uh, it'd be tough if uh, they're going back and forth like that. you got to stay neutral on the neutral zone. That's true. That's true. <laughs> uh, yeah, I don't think you want to get into a shootout with this Chiefs team. We've seen how explosive they can be. One play from you know, Mahomes, the Tyreek Hill, and boom, you know, the momentum changes so fast when you play the Chiefs. Yeah, who who do you think is the scariest player? And I, I know that the Broncos don't fear them necessarily, but who is the scariest player on this Chiefs offense, in your opinion? To me, it might be Tyreek Hill. Just I know the Broncos have had trouble covering tight ends, but 
Tyreek Hill is just so fast. He can do it in so many different ways. I still have memories of him streaking down the sideline in 2016, high-fiving another player during the play. De'Anthony Thomas, yeah. Uh, I think it's Tyreek Hill just because of the fact that you can play with this team and hang with them, and then all of a sudden, boom, a couple of plays here and there, and then all of a sudden they're up 14 points. It's almost like a college game when the momentum swings just so back and forth, and, you know, I think for the Broncos, they're going to have to not give up any of those big plays. You know, let the let the Broncos' offense drive down the field, eat up some of that clock. Don't let, you know, Mahomes go crazy out there. And if you can just sort of manage the game, don't let the Chiefs have too many opportunities. And when they are on a roll, force them to drive it all the way down the field and don't give up those bang, bang plays. Yeah, it's going to be really important for Brandon McManus to play well in kickoffs. For Marquette King to punt the ball well and the punt coverage unit to play better than it did last week. But, you know, we kind of view this as it might be a shootout. I think it's far more important for the Broncos to run the ball, take time off the clock, put together some of those 10, 11, 12 play drives. Even if the Chiefs go up 10 points or something like that, you still got you got to stick to your game plan because otherwise you're going to get in a situation where the Chiefs are running five, six play drives in the hurry up offense, and that could get dangerous. The other thing up against this team is you got to get off to a hot start against them because they've just jumped out of the gate and they go up 28 nothing on some teams, you know, and uh, it certainly helps being at home for this first game against the Chiefs just because, you know, the crowd is going to be into it to start the game. But you've got to give the crowd a reason to stay in the game. So maybe a big start, you know, you get a touchdown to start or something like that. And just make sure that you stay in the game and keep the crowd into it and force the Chiefs to overcome some adversity because so far through three games, they've just been rolling and nothing's uh, been too difficult for them. Yeah, they haven't. I don't know that they've played from behind yet, really. And so they had a close game against Pittsburgh where they jumped out to a 21 nothing lead. Pittsburgh tied the game at 21, and then Mahomes kind of took over from there. But yeah, we haven't seen Mahomes play against adversity with a pass rusher like Von Miller bearing down on him when he's got a deficit. You know, Last year, when Patrick Mahomes started that Week 17 game, the Broncos did get an interception. Darian Stewart picked him off, and I thought they contained him pretty well. The The Chiefs did win that game against a lot of uh, backup Broncos players. But, you know, something maybe happened during the offseason where Mahomes just got a lot more comfortable. But I did like how they played against him. They didn't give him deep shots. He made some good throws. But, you know, if they can play that same kind of style of defense, the Chiefs only put up, what, 27 points, I think, in that game? Uh, yeah, exactly. And, and that last game, it was sort of like just trying to get to the offseason a little bit. You're not going to game plan too much. You know, the Chiefs were resting Alex Smith in that game, just looking to get to the playoffs healthy. So not really a great representation of what we might expect on Monday night. But the one thing is Patrick Mahomes has got off to a great start, but I'm not uh, about to anoint him as the next uh, Peyton Manning or John Elway just yet. Uh, you know, I think that we – one thing that we talked about at the beginning is that teams are going to adjust and one of these defenses, it might be Monday night, it might be the Broncos, or it might be a, you know, a couple weeks from now. One of these defenses is going to figure out a way to stop Patrick Mahomes and he's going to have to adjust, you know, and he could very well do that, but 
you know, it's all about adjustments and seeing how this Broncos defense might adjust after, uh, you know, what Chris Harris Jr. said the other night. Right, and he seems like one of those guys that's going to try to keep the play alive and make something happen like a lot of rookies like to do. I know he's a second-year guy, but essentially a rookie playing his first full season. You know, there's a play last week where he kind of scrambled to his left, scrambled all the way back around, threw a touchdown. It was a really great play. But if you're a Broncos defender, especially a rusher, you got to be like, man, if I could have gotten there as he's turning back around, that's a chance to strip the ball away. That's a chance to get a big sack. Maybe he throws it up and you're able to get a pick. I think the Broncos should have their chances against him uh, to make something happen. He's a little Russell Wilson-esque, you yeah. know, where he's making the play happen. And we saw the Broncos have some success against Russell Wilson, force him to make a play, and maybe he gets a turnover or, you know, who knows what will happen. But – you know, if the defense can confuse him a couple of times, make him hold on to the ball a little bit longer, boom, that pass rush can get there. And, you know, that was something that was interesting to me because after the Raiders game, we heard Vance Joseph say the secondary needs to play a little bit more aggressive. So I think we were all expecting, hey, they're going to come out and be pretty aggressive. But we didn't see that. Right. And I think, you know, to hear uh, Coach Joseph talk about it on Monday, when they lined up in normal splits, so that's to say one guy on the outside, one guy about five yards in on the inside, and then another guy way outside uh, on the other side, the Broncos were fine. They played press man. They were able to do that. When the receivers get bunched together or they're running motion or whatever, it's harder than for all three corners if they're in a three-man formation to, to get up there and press because you're just going to run into each other. And something that will be interesting to me is that Andy Reid is such a good offensive play caller. You can imagine he's looked at that tape from the Baltimore game and said, well, I want to do something similar to that, if not a little trickier. So how do uh, the Broncos respond with their defensive game plan? What does Joe Woods have in store? You know, Vance mentioned that he's up there, Bill Kolar, uh, you know, Reggie Herring, they're all up there, Marcus Robertson, putting this game plan together. What do they anticipate? How are they able to kind of make some of those things go away that they struggled with against the Ravens? Another thing we saw against the Ravens, we saw the tight end get open a little bit, uh, you know, coming free release right off the line and wide open in the middle of the field. And so, you know, with Travis Kelsey, who, in my opinion, he's past Gronk. He's now the best tight end in the NFL Um we see him do it week after week. He just comes up with huge plays, and Broncos fans are very familiar with Travis Kelsey. You know, he, they're, they're going to have to put together a game plan that doesn't allow these guys to start getting hot. Right, and I wonder if Josie Jewell has something to do with that. You know, the rookie linebacker played a lot of snaps on Sunday against the Ravens and covered the tight end pretty well, I thought. There was a play where uh, the Ravens had the ball in the red zone. Flacco looked to his tight end, and Jewell was all over him. He had him covered up. Uh, Flacco ended up throwing up pass for a completion somewhere else but you know I was kind of impressed with how Jewel played there I wonder Phil what you think about the other side of the ball this Chiefs defense has allowed the 29th most or excuse me their 29th in the league in points allowed which kind of the very opposite of being first you know in the league in points scored so what can the Broncos take advantage of against this defense do you well, think I think it's a lot about what you said they got to get Royce Freeman going they got to get Philip Lindsay going you got to get some of these guys to you know make a couple of big plays here or there you know one guy we harped on a little bit after that Raiders game was Demarius Thomas he really bounced back and had a great game against the Ravens he had that big play called back against him but that would have been you know, a big play probably put a put him over a hundred yards receiving in the game. So Demarius Thomas bounced back. We saw Emmanuel Sanders on that reverse have a touchdown. Play calls like that where they get their playmakers out in space, allow them to make some moves. I think that's gonna be key for Bill Musgrave to uh help get this offense 
rolling a little bit, and I expect him to do that. You know, I think that Philip Lindsay could have had a big second half. You know, uh, we saw some some of those plays that went to Devontae Booker. Maybe that would have been Philip Lindsay out there instead, and who knows what would have happened. But I think getting playmakers the ball in space is going to be key for this Broncos. Yeah, um, and I do expect, you know, Case Keenum has thrown five interceptions, and that's a concern in some ways. But I also think that that means Case hasn't played his best in weeks two or three. He played pretty well in week one. I know he threw the three picks, but had some really good throws. I expect him to get back, you know, maybe it's not this week, but sooner rather than later to the way he played in 20, 2017 with the Minnesota Vikings. If he gets back to that this week, I think the Broncos have a really good chance of moving the ball, making some of those big-time throws to Emmanuel and Demarius, who really impressed me this last week, um, and score some points. Because without Eric Berry, who I think it sounds like may not play again, the Chiefs secondary from talking uh, to Brooke Pryor, she makes it sound like they're a pretty beat-up unit that's allowing some big plays. Yeah, and of course they're missing Marcus Peters from uh, last season, who, you know, he's always a ball hawk kind of a defensive back, so always, you know, coming up with a big play. Uh, we saw him have a huge game in Kansas City against the Broncos last year, so um, I agree with you. Uh, I think that Case Keenum said it even as much af right after the game. He said, I got to get back to my fundamentals because Case Keenum is a kind of timing quarterback. You know, his drop back, once he, one, two, three, boom, he knows where the open guy is. It's all about timing. It's all about finding the open guy. And one thing we've seen through three weeks, maybe that's been a little bit of a surprise to me, is we've seen Case get out of the pocket, rolling around, looking to try and make a play. And that's what happened on the interception. You know, he's backing up, throws it off of his back foot. You know, that's not the Case Keenum that we saw last year. And although he has that in his game where he can, you know, sort of a uh, – ad-lib a little bit and uh, make a play happen that's not really his strength his strength is one two three boom hit, get it out that's what we thought was going to be a huge um, positive for the offensive line was that he gets rid of the ball so fast so I would I would bet that Case Keenum gets back to his fundamentals and this Broncos offense has been moving the ball I think they get it rolling against the Chiefs right and you know I think part of that is Keenum just wants so badly to win. You can tell from hearing him in He's the post game. Yeah, you can hear from talking to him during the week in the post game press conference, whether win or lose. He just wants it so badly. And so I think some of those plays, like that interception there in the fourth quarter, he just wants to make something happen. And it's hard at times to say, hey, no one's open. I should throw it away. And so, you know, it's hard to fault him there. I think Musgrave, uh, you know, Mike Sullivan, the quarterback's coach, will help him get back to playing Case Keenum football. That's kind of what drew the Broncos to him in the first place. I will say something about that Chiefs game last year that you mentioned where Marcus Peters got that big pick off Trevor Simeon. The Broncos turned the ball over a lot in that game, and they still only lost by 10 points. I think this is a better Broncos team than last year. The Chiefs are probably better than last year as well because of Mahomes, at least on the offensive side. Defensively, they're probably a little bit worse. But the Broncos went to Kansas City in a night game, lost by 10 points, and for most of that game, the Broncos had a chance to win despite all those mistakes. So I know we've been talking a lot about what the Chiefs have accomplished, what Mahomes has accomplished. I don't mean to make this team out to be a Goliath that's unbeatable. Exactly. You know, exactly. there are certainly plenty of ways the Broncos can win this game. They're a home underdog, but this the mile high crowd, you know, really could play a factor in this game. Von Miller is one of the best players on earth. Case Keenum, when he's playing well, is a good quarterback. You know, I don't want to make it seem to fans out there like this is a hopeless effort. Exactly. Uh, it's by no means a hopeless effort, especially with uh, the thing that we've brought up a lot is with Keenum, you always have hope. 
that he's going to be a leveling, you know, he's going to level the playing field a little bit. If the Chiefs get a big play, you know that he's going to stay calm and try and keep this Broncos team in it. Um, and the offense has moved the ball. We saw them get into the red zone a few times against the Ravens, just not quite able to punch it into the into the end zone. Yeah, and I think something else is the fourth quarter this year, you still feel like there's a chance. Last year when the Broncos fell down 10 points, 14 points, you're kind of like, they're they're likely not going to be coming back. You kind of during that eight game stretch, felt like the team felt that way too at times. This year, you know, Keenum brought them back against the Seahawks from a fourth quarter deficit. He brought them on a game winning drive against the Raiders. They were down uh, thirteen points there against the Ravens, and he they didn't score any points, but he brought he put them in position three different times to make that a game. And so, say the Chiefs are up seven or something like that when you're going into the fourth quarter. I don't think there's I think there's the the sense on the Broncos sideline that, Hey, this is still our game to take. I know that it's early in the season, but this game does seem like it has a little bit of extra weight coming off a loss Monday night football at home against the chiefs. Who've really had the Broncos number of late, you know, you think back to two years ago, that overtime game where the Broncos, they win that game. Who knows what would have happened after that? That was a really a momentum, uh, you know, a season changing game went to overtime. So, you know, there's a lot on the line this Monday night. And I think that we talked at the beginning of the podcast, Hey, there's always a couple of plays in the game that you remember, you know, even, even all, a few years later, you still remember certain plays. You remember Bradley Roby knocking the ball out and the Broncos winning that game. You remember the sack that Von Miller had against Alex Smith a couple of years ago. You, you remember Tyreek Hill high-fiving. Who's going to make those plays come Monday night? Yeah, Griffo. I'm excited to see what happens. Yeah, hopefully it's not Tyree Kill. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, hopefully it's hopefully it's Case Keenan because you know if he if he launches a 75 yard bomb to Emmanuel Sanders down the sideline and the Broncos win this game, you know. I think Broncos fans are going to be just fine with the way that Case Keenum's played. Yeah, exactly. It's a big game, and it's Monday Night Football, and uh, you know it's happening in our own backyard. So we'll see what happens here with the Broncos as they uh, welcome in the Kansas City Chiefs. Uh, our thanks to uh, our guests who joined us this week on the Neutral Zone. Bradley Chubb, the fifth overall pick from uh, last year's draft, joining us talking about what it's like playing alongside Vaughn Miller and what he's learned uh, through three weeks of the season. Also, our thanks to Brooke Pryor of the Kansas City Star for joining us, giving us some extra insight into the game. Also, thanks to Sean Campos and Tanner Lee for being great guests and uh, coming out winners here on the Neutral Zone. Be sure to follow us on Twitter at Eric Dalala at Phil Milani, and also uh, be sure to subscribe and give us a rating. Let us know what you think about this thing. We need ratings. We need comments. You guys can't see Phil's hair. It looks really good. Just let him know that from afar you can imagine his hair looks really good. It's just glistening under the lights. we got a little bit of sunshine in here. It's a, it's a great hair day here um, as we record the Neutral Zone. So make sure to subscribe, rate, uh, tune in, Stitcher, iTunes. You know where to find this thing, right, Eric? Yeah, I mean, I think the thousands of dedicated listeners, are they, they know what to do. We know you're out there. So thank you for, uh, for listening. Uh, for Eric Dalala, I'm Phil Milani. Thanks for listening to The Neutral Zone. <laughs>